Welcome back to Gig Ready. This is it. Welcome back to Gig Ready, everybody. Thanks for being here today. We're excited for uh, a really, I would say, a, a, a unique conversation talking about business ownership. Uh, a few weeks ago, we talked with Tom Stimson of the Stimson Group, and we were talking about what it would be like to sell your company or how you would go about doing that. Um, and today, we're going to go to the other side of that, which is technicians and those who have been technicians talking about moving from the world of I'm on my own, I'm doing my own thing, that's all we're doing, and then to, wow, now suddenly I have a company, and what am I doing, how do I do it, and how do I get myself out of the mindset of being an operator and into being an owner? Um, I know that for myself and, and all the rest of us here today, at one point in time or another, we had we were fighting with that idea. How do I pull myself out? How do I stop doing all the freaking work? Because frankly, it's exhausting, and we can actually grow this thing. So, um, really excited here. We've got Joe Mack uh, from More Than Light out of Portland, Oregon. Josh Grassy, Technical Media Solutions in uh, Delaware, and my good friend Dave Jensen right here in Denver, Encompass Event Group. Guys, thanks for being here today. We really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thanks, Jordan. Hello, hello. Well, I think we'll go left to right to start. Um, Joe, I mean, you and I have known each other for, I think, probably the longest out of all of us. Um, and out of Portland, you worked for another company. Then you went freelance. Then you dove into the world of labor and handling um, handling everything with that. What moved you from, hey, I'm a great lightning designer and I love doing this into, hey, I've got a good business here. Now, all of a sudden, it's time to turn this into something that is more than just me going out and pushing buttons on a console. What was that transition? Where did it go? And, and kind of what pushed you over the edge to move it to the next level? Well, I, um, I started doing auto shows. Um, uh, while I was actually working for another firm uh, here in town in Portland. And I, I had a lot of national contacts, um, a lot of people that you, you and I run in the same circles with. Yeah. A uh, few that you, that you don't know. Um, and I, I kind of saw the writing on the wall that there was a lot more opportunity um, to really do what I do uh, on a national level. So I, I started kind of just, just getting information and made it a really calculated risk. Um, and it was right during when the, um, when the bubble burst on, on the housing market and everybody, you know, 2008, yeah. uh, you know, everybody wasn't, wasn't working. And luckily I was, um, I, I just happened to be doing uh, auto shows for Kia Motors and they were the only uh, auto manufacturer that was making money during that time. And they were, they were double digit growth kind of stuff, you know? So it was like, like, uh, okay. I lucked into that. Yeah. Um, and you know, I'd walk the show floor and, and people who were there for the last 20 years weren't there and I was there and it really kind of just set the, the bell off for me. Ding, ding, ding. Let's, let's look at this a little bit further. Um, and so when I did that, I, I found that, um, 
you know, going part-time with the company I was with and freelancing on the side was the way to go to, to kind of supplement the income I was making there. Um, and then, and then 2008 hit and, you know, everything dried up. So because I went to this part-time status with the company I was with, I really didn't design much. I went almost an entire year without designing a show for them, but I was still doing auto shows and I was still designing on the side. So I, I, uh, I ultimately just said, you know what? I really need to go out on my own. I'm, you know, I, I have the contacts, I have the work, uh, I have the, you know, the phone is ringing enough and I'm turning down enough that I can do it. Yeah. That's awesome. And then where was that transition from, Hey, I'm freelance, I'm pushing buttons, I'm doing my thing to the, wow, I should start, I'm hiring people now to then like do other work for me that I'm, I can do or don't know how to do. Yeah. I mean, I was kind of already, when I, when I went freelance, I set myself up as an entity. I, I set myself up as an LLC right yeah. away. So I didn't, I always had the, the idea to, to create a design firm from the beginning. So that was, that wasn't ever in question. It was uh, when I ended up actually hiring and, you know, people were W2 employees, that kind of stuff. That was actually um, almost a forced hand by my client because the way they were set up, uh, they had they had a bunch of freelancers working for them. Um, And then uh, a a uh, workers comp law came into play in Oregon that if you worked a certain number of days a year for, for a company as a freelancer, you had to uh, have your own workers comp insurance. And that kind of like hamstringed a lot of freelancers in town. And because I was already set up that way, uh, they, they asked me, Hey, would you be willing to take on more people? And, and then that way you can work, you know, year round for us instead of having to take three months off a year. Got it. So you got shoehorned into it, basically. <laughs> I did. Hey, yeah. I mean, go. they kind of, they kind of <laughs> handed me the snowball and said, yeah, just push it down the hill. It'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing bad is going to happen. I promise. No, nothing at all. We promise. Man. So it does. Yes. Well, I mean, yeah. And and we have no idea what's going to happen once you push that snowball down the hill until it rolls over you while you're trying to slow it down. Uh, and then it, it was pro- a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. You know, you, you just, all you do is like learn every day. You're learning something new every, every, every day. Yeah. So yeah, it was a, it was a good time. Awesome. So Josh, you were a technical director. You and I have known each other for for a number of years, working with uh, a number of national accounts and different people. Um, you know, I remember the first, I want to say the first job that um, our mutual uh, friend, Mark, who's been on the podcast a, a while ago, um, brought you in. Hey, this is Josh. He's me, assistant TD on this job. I mean, that was gosh, I can't believe it was like six years ago, something like that. It's been yeah, forever. That was I'm pretty sure um, that was like 2015, 2016. I know exactly what you're talking about. Exactly. Um, and you know, you were a technical director, no gear, no nothing, just doing your AV thing, freelancing. Um, and then all of a sudden, wow, I've got somehow opportunities have fallen in my lap. People said hey we want you to do our event and so then instead of saying oh well you know we'll farm it out to this company and i'll manage it you just grabbed it and held on to it what what was that process going from the just 
freelance TD guy into, hey, now I've got gear and now I have a shop and now I have all of these things that I'm doing. Yeah, I mean, I, I came from a small mom and pop shop where I was doing a lot of their operational stuff from from like when I was full time with a company. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> when I started my company, I knew that it was like, OK, this is something that I like doing. I like working with gear. I like the technology of it. Um, but it's kind of hard to just jump in and start buying all the gear without revenue streams. Um, started leveraging contacts, you know, doing doing work with you and you know, putting my reputation out there. And then it was just like, you know, when it, when I got those opportunities to say turnkey an event, it was like, yeah, we can make this work. You know, we, whether we leverage, um, rental houses or, you know, we, at the time, like I did own some things, but I didn't own everything. Yeah. Um, and we were able to make it work. Um, and I would much prefer that than basically trying to pass off that, that business to, excuse me, pass off that business to a competitor of ours. Of course. Or what would effectively uh, turn into a competitor of ours. Got it. So it was basically say yes to everything and then figure it out as you as you well, grew, knowing that, but knowing, saying yes, knowing that you could execute on it. Not just saying yes right. to say yes, but knowing right, that correct. the skills and the contacts and the equipment was available to be able to make that happen. Yeah, if I felt confident if I felt confident that I knew we could make it work and we could have a successful event as possible, yeah, uh, then that's where I would say yes. You know, if I if if for whatever reason I got the vibe where it was like, you know what, this is a little bit out of our wheelhouse. Um, hey, we can offer you up to a certain point, and then to get you over that hurdle, we can bring in somebody else that would help out with that something whatever it was that we didn't necessarily feel comfortable doing for sure awesome um dave jensen the old man on the block actually here you were working you 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 were working with and for your dad um for a long time and then um you know what i don't know if we've ever actually really delved down where the transition was from working, you know, doing all of that work, Dallas and all that stuff. We started this conversation a few weeks ago, which is what kind of led me into where we are now. Um, what was that transition like? And then how long had, had, were you continuing to be like owner operator doing shows and not versus then now kind of really working your way into handling the business itself versus going out and running an E2 or running a, you know, a, a, a switcher or doing that sort of stuff. Um, let's see. Yeah, you're right. I started working for my dad. Uh, this has been a really long time ago. Uh, <laughs> since he was already in the industry, you know, I grew up in this, so I was an unpaid, uh, unpaid intern for, I don't know, probably eight or nine years, uh, you know, as a kid, uh, I, I started as a bench tech cause nobody cares if you're eight years old and making XLRs and cleaning the heads of three quarter inch machines or whatever you're doing. Um, so I was kind of his unpaid intern and shout out to my dad. Today's actually his birthday. Uh, nice. so, uh, they did. Uh, how about that? Uh, so I started working for him kind of, uh, you know, Hey, do you want to recoil this cable? Hey, you got to re-terminate it. So they pulled the end off. And uh, so I was bench tech, worked into being a system tech, doing warehouse uh, pre-build type stuff. Um, once I was old enough to travel, uh, either weekends, evenings, summers, you know, vacation times, whatever. Then I started going out on gigs. So I just, I went on payroll when I was 14, uh, doing winter and summer break, uh, events. 
Um, did my first Vegas gig when I was 14. Um, so that transition, yeah, it's, it's that go. Uh, man, I, I could tell you all sorts. It was my first concert too. The first concert I ever got to see was Hall and Oates in the uh, Las Vegas showroom. So, uh, so uh, that was fun. Uh, it was really hot. I couldn't go anywhere. Couldn't even walk uh, casino floors back then. Uh, so you had to just beeline to the elevator and go back to your room. Uh, which turned out to maybe be the best idea as an adult too. Uh, so working for him, I worked my way from a bench tech through uh, being his production manager. Uh, and at 9-11, business just absolutely crumbled. It was almost pandemic-ish. Uh, it's kind of weird looking back and seeing this. Um, he scaled back his business. He was about 60, uh, 60 people strong at that point. So he scaled back his business. I stayed on, but I knew that there uh, were going to be some changes. So I started my business. We were really transparent about the whole thing. Um, I wanted to go a TV route. He wanted to go an AV route. And I said, hey, that's cool. Let's, uh, instead of competing with each other, let's just compliment. So he helped uh, help me figure out the business, the do's and don'ts of the business part of the part of everything. Because I was a production guy. I wasn't a business guy. Um, so I started my company. We kind of grew in parallel with each other. And then mine just kind of went a different route. So uh, even though I had a big broadcast and entertainment uh, business for a long time, it's kind of come back full circle. And now we do a lot of that association stuff and the big corporate corporate theater type events. So so we've kind of become that hybrid AV broadcast company. Yeah. Well, and then that, of course, is the, you know, moving from live online into encompass when you, you know, when you merged with Mark and, you know, was that kind of the bigger transition for you? Because I remember even, man, I think we did that job at Coors Field, uh, for, uh, Aramark a number of years ago and you came in and you were still operating at that point in time. That was, I think four years ago, um, before you guys merged together. Um, was that kind of when you guys brought, you know, audio, video, lighting all into one house, was that when you made that transition and said, okay, I have to spend more time working on the business versus working in the business? I think I'd made that transition uh, earlier. Um, I've actually had a business consultant of one type or another or several at, at one time uh, for the last 15 or so years. So I was really trying to make that transition of being a business owner that could still be an operator. Yeah. Um, probably 15 years ago or so. But uh, that Airmark gig that you're talking about specifically, I, I still go out on high profile uh, on the high profile events yeah. as an operator if I need to be. So uh, I still like to sit in the seat sometimes. That was a fun gig. I, that was I remember hiking up and down those stairs quite a bit. That was a really cool gig. Uh, yeah, that was the first gig I ever saw a drone used on live, like like as an intro for a show. It was pretty sweet. That was the coolest shot, too, yeah, from center field all the way into home plate, dude. That was just awesome. Yes, it was. <laughs> Very cool. Well, so, all right, we have now there's, I mean, businesses. Joe, you have now, of course, scaled back. You've gone into the world of, hey, you know what? I just like being an operator and a designer, and that's what I'm going to do. And uh, I'm sure that... I mean, at least in my knowing you, I think that the itch for some sort of something will come back at some point in time, especially with design. And, well, and let's just <laughs> let's just say I didn't I didn't get rid of my company. I, <laughs> I I've gone down to a company of one, but I still have the ability to scale back up as necessary. So sure. I can I can I can still operate and do what I need to do. Oh, of course, uh, 
with, with a lot of people if I need to. For sure. Um, so what, I mean, what is the, I guess, what is the next thing for each of you? You know, what, what are you, I mean, Joe, you were going to go out with journey this last year, um, and, and start working with them. And then of course that all fell apart as the train came off the rails last year. Um, kind of, what do you see as your next progress into, you know, moving forward? Well, that's still the plan. Um, I'm still gonna, uh, try and get back into music uh it's been like 20 years since i've lived on a tour bus um so <laughs> should be you actually want, want that uh yeah yeah you know I, I can see it, I can. Good... i'm like uh i'm like the forrest gump of live events you know i, I kind of bounce around from <laughs> career to career i've been in auto shows i've been in corporate i've been in theater i've been in rock and roll i've been in dance i've been in you know uh cruise ships uh theme parks so so this is just the next step, right? I, and and when I write my book, it's going to be awesome. <laughs> yeah, right on. That's right. Never say no is, is the title. <laughs> that's right. Well, I mean, and that's really the only way to build a business. It, it It's the only reason that I've ever had any successes because instead of even considering the idea of no, it was, all right, how do we do this? And how are we going to do this? Um. So what has been kind of, what do you see as your next kind of your next progression as we, as things move forward out of the pandemic Me? and all that? Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I've actually got some dates on the, on the calendar uh, for, for uh, the band we're talking about yeah. and um, they're penciled thus far. Nothing, nothing hundred percent confirmed, but uh, it's looking like that's what we're going to do. So um, I'm going to try and still integrate my corporate schedule with with that um, because I'm the I'm the second uh, lighting person on it. You know, I'm not the designer. Yeah, um, I'm I'm his assistant. So uh, so we'll just go down that road and then um, and then you know yeah we take what what comes. I I kind of blow on the breeze. I yes I I'm with you and I think that from a I think that there's going to be a lot of stuff that's going to come fairly quickly here. Um, Josh, what, where are you from a standpoint of like, all right, where do we go next? Um, I know that for me, I've been thinking a lot about growing the company, especially out of this. I mean, normally when you come out of a very, very hard standpoint, the the pandemic I I see as a, there's going to be a lot of land to grab from a business standpoint coming out of this. There have been relocations, there have been layoffs, there have been changes in buyers you know what what is your next kind of push as a as a business owner what are you looking to do coming out of this and and you can't just say the word grow because it's you know it's got to be more it has to be more i'm looking to grow well thank you i appreciate that um yeah i i think i mean ultimately you know i i want to get back to where we were coming into 2020 because 2020 was going to be like our banner year and then we got taken out at our knees. So I, I definitely want to try and figure out how I can recoup some of that lost business and make 21, probably not 21, but 22 kind of be that banner year for us. Yep. Um, and I think a lot of it's going to be leveraging new contacts and just, you know, from networking with people over the past eight months or 18 months, um, making new contacts and just talking to people on different forums and things of that nature. And like just saying, Hey, we're still here, you know, 
not a whole lot of people can can really say that. Um, we transitioned and have virtual options. Um, we were actually, oddly enough, trying to sell hybrid events before hybrid was hybrid. Um, and clients were super resistant to it. Well, now they're not because they yeah. were forced into it. So we have the capabilities to do that. Um, and so I think having that technology available to us now, and we've had the past year to really drill down on it and, you know, shout out to my business partner for like really driving that one home yeah. and figuring out all the technology behind what it was going to take to do some of the stuff that we're doing right now. Yeah. Um, I think is going to make us a, a valuable and, uh, you know, kind of an alluring partner in the tech space to come in and do those hybrid events. So I think the growth is going to come from there. And I think that's how we're going to move forward into the next coming years. Um, Cause we've got that flexibility and the agility to, to just really navigate all this, this stuff as we're moving forward. Got it. Well, thanks Andrew to call out to you, buddy. And uh, you're a rock star. Thanks for making the magic happen. Dave, what's next? What are you guys next looking at? Um, you know, you your guys, your company is of course larger than all the rest of ours, being the 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 big guy in the room. Um, you know, and great pivots out of you know into the pandemic, and and the studio is outstanding. I mean, I've had people in there already doing stuff; they love it. You know, you guys did a really good job of moving into that world. Um, where, where do you guys see things moving next from the business standpoint for you guys? Um, well, this is our third uh, pivot. Uh, not that we ever intended to pivot once, but this was our third. So starting business right after 9-11 and we had the housing crash and, and now uh, COVID. So um, um, I, I think that this was, this sucks, man, but I think that the pandemic was actually good for the industry. Uh, we, as an industry, we all ramped up on our technology and our capabilities and our open-mindedness to new, new ways of doing things. Um, that, you know, we, we just grew five years in a, in a 15 month span, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Um, so I I'd think, agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. This was big. Um, I think we're all going to continue taking a bit of this broadcast approach to all of our events. Um, our clients and their attendees are going to have different expectations. So even when we go back to live person, we have a lot of live, like live in-person events uh, on the books, even as soon as next month, I think we have the, uh, the majority of the Gaylord book next month. Um, so for an in-person event. Yeah. Uh, so I'm looking forward to going back in person, meeting with people, shaking hands, doing all that stuff. But there's always going to be this hybrid or the studio component. One of our clients in particular, we used to do their annual sales meeting in Dallas every year. Well, now we do quarterly town halls out of our studio or 100% virtual, just using AWS vMix systems. Um, they're going to keep doing those quarterly events. Uh, but they're going to do the annual sales meeting in Dallas again, too. So, so I don't see anybody growing getting back to their 2019 or 2020 numbers, I think we're all, we should all expect to exceed that by, you know, 20, 30, 40% for sure. But like, that should be our expectation. Whether we get there or not, you know, that's up to metrics and luck and fate, whatever. But, uh, but I think we should be planning on, you know, say 130% of where we were. Yeah. 
Well, we've, <clears throat> we've actually been talking uh, quite a bit about labor and how that's going to affect, uh, you know, change in our industry. And, and all signs point to rates going up uh, only because we're going to be uh, down in, in, in people. And, and that, that's going to uh, result in all of, our, all of our gigs, quantity of gigs going up as well as the rates just because people are going to be so competitive for us. Um, having having capable people in the seat is going to be key to uh, to success of any event, and and the quantity of events that is even being talked about it, it over you know it overshoots the amount of physical people that we have available. Yeah, yeah, I, I've I've been hearing that. Yeah, well, in Live Nation, they have more shows booked in 2022 than they did in 2019, and we've lost <laughs> probably 30 percent of the entire touring group so then that comes into the one the one side of from a labor standpoint of this actually could be and and dave i agree with you i think overall the pandemic was really good for everyone it caused every it it was that one thing that no one would ever stop and take a step back and look at how we were doing everything and looking at what we were doing and reassess how to actually make it better for the industry as a whole so now with labor, especially, for instance, the redistribution of, you know, how do we help our brethren find other people who maybe, you know, it's like the, the basically introducing more people to others so that they can say, hey, when I'm reaching out, when I need to find somebody, instead of having to grab somebody, you know, from over where they don't necessarily understand our business, but instead there's someone else that's already sitting and available. And I, I'm trying to describe it. I can see it in my head and I can't fully like get it out of my mouth. Um, where basically creating more efficiency in the labor, more people able to work at a more regular pace, you know, because especially in a freelance world, we still have the guys who are, oh yeah, I worked three weeks in May and then nothing in June. Well, that wasn't necessarily a symptom of them not being capable, but that the right people didn't know they were available when they were there and then them also not actively pursuing outside of their little circle. And so something to help others basically spread the word about who is available and who is able to work. And um, I don't necessarily know the right way to do it, but it seems like a viable way of creating a, a more sustainable event industry is keeping, you know, keeping more people working without burning them out. And then per, they, they're able to be provided for. Does what I'm saying make sense? I, I'm Yeah, like you're, you're talking about like opening the pool up basically because and I think <clears throat> speaking to your point, you know, we, we see or at least I do because I kind of run in so many different circles or had run in so many different circles of production. Yeah. Working with this company based out of the Northwest or working with this company based out of the Southeast. And everyone has their own little pocket of guys that they always continually work with. And it's like, oh, well, do you know so-and-so and so-and-so? It's like, we always do that with everybody because it's, it's kind of like the six degrees of separation with AV people. But then I'd run into people. It's like, oh, no, I haven't heard of that guy. I'm like, well, you've been in the industry for like 20 years. Like, you should know who these people are. And it's it's kind of like that. It's like these there's it's like these siloed areas of labor where they only work with the same four companies over and over again. Yeah. And it, like, I don't know if that's just a function of like, that's what they want. If it's they, there's lack of option or like to your point, like it just there's a, uh, an a lack of awareness of you know these who these individuals are 
Yeah. Yeah. So a lot of less holding on to stuff, you know, my gig, my stuff, my, and just opening hands and letting, like letting it go. You know what? If you can't do it, you can't do it and, and refer somebody else to it. And ultimately, you know, those kind of referrals I have found, you know, I referred a friend of mine to a, a producer a couple, uh, about a month ago. And, you know, he was incredibly grateful because I can't work with this producer anymore because I've chosen that I'm not going to, I'm not going to be a technical director very often anymore. And so, because it's just not fair to my clients and my customers who need my business to work for them, uh, if I go and be a, a technical director somewhere. Um, and that was actually, I think the hardest thing. And this kind of leads me into my next question. That was absolutely the hardest thing for me was making that decision and putting my foot down and saying, this is something I'm not going to do anymore is I'm not going to get out there and work because it, it actually hurts everything. I can only give 50% to both sides. I can't give a hundred percent to one of them. So kind of wondering what was the hardest piece of moving from operator to owner um that you found was most difficult for you because everyone's different and anyone can go <laughs> well i'm gonna i'm gonna just go touch back on your uh, your previous point um like what's the way we we uh introduce like-minded people or or groups of people that we know separately but we want to make them known collectively uh, and, and this will show my age, we go to the phone tree system where you call uh, one person and then that person <laughs> calls two people and then so on and so forth. So yeah. Dave, you're not the old guy in the room. Um, <laughs> uh, but um, so let, go back. What was your question again? We're I'm talking, sorry, I, I, I was just I talking about the hardest thing, making that transition. So, I mean, you, you were really forced into, Hey, we need you to run this business and have all these 30, 40 guys that come and work for this big company over here, but we need you to manage them. What was the hardest yeah. thing for you going from, Hey, I like to just show up and push buttons on my console and do my thing into, well, now I've got to, now that I've got all of this other infrastructure I've got to deal with. Yeah, for me, it was it was running the business while on site. That that made it hard. If I was if I was here locally, um, I could do it because there was a lot of rehearsal time where it was sit around wait you know waiting for uh, the deck to be worked on or we're rehearsing the script or whatever. And my part, I was already done. I was just hanging out, you know, waiting waiting for go. And uh, so I was able to build that infrastructure while I was, while I was, so I was, I was double duty tasking, you know, taskmaster yeah. uh, to, to run my company while I was on site. But then the, the shows where I went out of town, it was virtually impossible. Um, you know, it was like, I would do a 14 hour day on site and then I would do another four hours at least at yep. my hotel room, uh, you know, getting payroll done or getting insurance stuff done or getting whatever done. And so it was always a constant battle for my time. Um, and I got really good at, at just managing that um, and, and uh, being really disciplined, you know, waking up and, and just going rather than like, oh, maybe I'll do that today. You know, it's like, no, you have to get this done today. Otherwise you're dead. Yeah. So. Yeah, and I guess I say have a similar response to Joe, where, uh, you know, in the office doing stuff, it, you know, obviously it's easy. We're 
we've got warehouse stuff going on. You know, I got guys that we were working that were working in the warehouse for us. So I could be sitting at my computer doing emails, doing whatever needed to get done in the office while I knew we had multiple jobs getting pulled and getting loaded on the trucks and getting out of there. But then, yeah, once on site and having to be behind an audio console and mix a show or, you know, even if I'm, you know, TDing one of our client shows and stage managing, but then at the same time, I'm trying to advance the next show or the next three shows, you know, it's, it's a challenge. It's a balance of time and, yeah. you know, pulling a 12 to 16 hour day, you know, for the client and then going back to the hotel room and busting out another three hours of emails like it's it's definitely a challenge and even like at home like i'd get i'd leave the office at 6 p.m and come home and still do three or four more hours of emails and phone calls and stuff and i know my wife hated that um <laughs> uh, but uh yeah i mean it's it's i honestly like i i don't mind getting out from behind the desk because i know where my limitations are and i know that with what i'm trying to provide our clients uh I'm probably not going to be the best A1 to, to mix the show. So I don't have a problem bringing somebody else in to mix the show and then let me kind of handle the 30,000 foot view of it all. Yeah. Um, I, I'd prefer that. <clears throat> so it wasn't really difficult for me to get out of that, kind of get out of my own way, if you will. Yeah. Dave, what about you, man? What was the hardest part or hardest parts, plural, for doing all that? What is the hardest part? So I still... <laughs> I mean, even before we jumped on uh, jumped on this, I still went through and QC'd the video system in the studio for a shoot that's going to happen this afternoon. Uh, so I'm an absolute control freak, a total OCD, and I, I've recognized that. And um, I think the biggest, the, the hardest part has been letting go of that kind of stuff and saying, well, that's not my way, so it's not right. No, that's, that's not always true. It's not my way, but it's different. Um, so letting go of that was a big deal, but uh, I think putting in a company or building a company culture, I really adopted the CEO role rather than the video engineer role when I realized that I was affecting the culture of the company and uh, you know our forward plan and and how how we look at different situations and we have plans. We're not reactionary. Uh, I think once I saw everybody else have that same culture that I had, the same expectations, uh, expected outcomes all of that stuff, then I kind of said, all right, you know what, now, now I recognize what my role is. So not, not that I don't jump behind a switcher, I don't know, a couple times a month at least, but, uh, so I still do that, but, uh, really developing culture and process made it scalable. So everybody else can have the success that I can. Yeah. So that all, I mean, ultimately all of this comes down to self-awareness, being aware, um, I was having a conversation with my wife yesterday or two days ago about how just in the last two years, I've finally come to the idea that being self-aware is insanely important. Um, where, how did you guys develop that as a, as an owner, as an operator? Um, or maybe, I mean, maybe you've had trouble with it. I know I have self-awareness has always been something that I've struggled with. Cause I'm kind of just like, ah, just, you know, shoot first, ask questions later kind of, kind of person, instead of saying, how can I do this better? Uh, but I've noticed a huge difference in how I operate and what I can do when I do that, such as getting myself out of being a technical director. I had to admit that I can't do both of these as much as I like to think I can. So now I've got to pick and do what I need to do. And that was all just becoming self-aware of where my strengths, where my weaknesses are. Um, you know, how did you develop the self-awareness and then 
what did you need to admit and say, okay, I've got to change X um, because I've now realized it's a problem? One of the one of the things we actually talked about with Tom Simpson was, you know, the the fact that most business owners are opportunists, not entrepreneurs, um, because we come in with a oh hey I can do that better attitude rather than you know I'm going to start a thing from the ground up and I'm going to do it the right way. No, you take something that already exists and you make it better with your your techniques. So. When, um, you know, I've always been very self-aware, even as a child, I was, I was pretty self-aware. I became a stage manager uh, in the early days of my career. And it was because of that awareness yeah. of everything that's going on, seeing the big picture, but seeing all the minutia that needs to be done, you know, handily and very timely because, you know, you're, you're in charge of everything. You're the, you're the center of the spoke. Um, and so, uh, so that self-awareness is always, I mean, born in me. And I think any business owner probably has that to some degree. Yeah, yeah I would I would agree. I mean, I, you know, to, to Joe's point, I, you know, I've always kind of been a very introspective person, maybe a little bit too much. <laughs> um, and so, you know, I've always kind of questioned myself and like my actions, like, oh, you know, why did I do that? Or, you know, what what could I do better here or uh, and that's just like in life in general, not even specific to, you know, being a business owner or even early on being an audio engineer. Um, but specific to the audio engineer point, like kind of what I point that I made at the earlier, the other question was, you know, I, I just, I realized that, you know, I was only so good and that there are other technicians out there who are much better at what I do in certain aspects and, you know, I'm my whole approach to any production is just want the client to have a great production and yeah. have a good event. And so I, what can I do to make sure that that's going to happen and facilitate that? And if that means I need to pull myself out from being the A1 because I'm not that great in certain areas and I need to hire somebody else who has more strengths in other areas than me, then so be it. Like, I, I don't take personal offense to that. Like, I know there are some guys that are so, like, big headed about you know, where they fit in the puzzle that it's like, well, no, wait a minute, like take a step back and like, look at what's trying to happen here. And it's like, you know, it's I, I just be more open to that, I guess. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you. And, and being willing to make that change. I think that's the, for me was always the hardest part of the admission of, Hey, I can't do everything all the time. Uh, Dave, you probably feel that way sometimes as the OCD control freak that you tend to be. Um, yeah, totally. <laughs> I, I, so I agree with you 100%, Jordan. I'm I'm not self-aware. I don't have that self-awareness at all. I'm uh, highly critical of myself, but I'm not terribly aware uh, all the time. Um, I'm big on coaching and networking. And I, the more I've gotten into both of those, um, the more I've developed a little bit of self-awareness and figuring out where I actually fit. So, so that's business coaching, sales coaching, uh, peer networks, peer mentoring. Uh, you and I are part of a, a group, a peer mentoring group. So um, those are places that I've gotten a lot of expertise from other people that are just like me, except that are more self-aware like you guys. So, well, so here's a question I have yeah. for you guys. So I hear, so Dave, I hear you talking about, you know, your peer mentoring and, and coaching and that you've had, um, some sort of, uh, you know, 
uh, sorry, I can't think of the word that you used earlier, um, but you've had, you know, business people involved in, in consulting, consulting it. And then Jordan, I know you and I have talked about different things that you've done there in that regard. Joe, I mean, have you done that? Because like, I've been in this for six years and outside of talking to people like yourselves, you know, I, I haven't really participated in any sort of like peer mentoring or anything like that. And so like, obviously there's a value there. Um, but how, like how much of a value, like, is, is it, is it, it's like, great. It's, it's, it's totally valuable. Uh, you know, I, I, I reached out very early, um, to my accountant. I, I hired an accountant and he kind of laid out all of the things I needed to, to be successful as a business owner. Cause he didn't care what my business was. He just knew how to, how to set up a business. So, so I, you know, he referred me to different lawyers. He had, he had several lawyers that he'd worked with. So he referred me to different lawyers. I called all of them. Uh, then he, then I, I reached out to other business owners about insurance and, you know, all the, all the little things that you don't, you know, payroll companies, all that stuff. Then once I had those parts and pieces, I knew I could start a business but I didn't necessarily know how to run a, an AV or a lighting or a you know, production business. So then I, I reached out to people within the business to, to be my mentor, to just somebody I can bounce questions off. Like, cause you always need that. So whether it's HR, whether it's insurance, whether it's legal, whether it's accounting, you always have to have somebody you can pick up the phone and go, I'm in trouble, please help. Yeah, I guess I shouldn't say that I don't. I mean, I have this guy right, right here in the, in my lower corner box, you know, Jordan has always been been available to me to like, I pick up the phone, like, Hey man, I got a question for you. Then he calls me like five minutes later. (laughs) (laughs) Or I was gonna say, or even like our our mutual Jordan and I mutual friend, Mark Herring. I mean, I, you know, Mark, I had a really, yeah. And I had a really, I've had a relationship with Mark for well over 10, almost 15 years now, I think. Um, And so, yeah, you know, I wouldn't say I've gone, without any sort of guidance but i think what i like just kind of noticing a theme here of y'all probably had a little bit more guidance than i guess i would say i i probably have well in that regard i mean well, the- i i faked it till i made it uh, up until about a year and a half ago i mean i really did and and, and i finally i was on a phone call with uh, a friend of mine keith elliott and he said, you know what's really helped me and completely changed my life as the run as running a business? He's like, I got a coach who coaches me as a as a business person, not just a consultant, but an actual coach who will sit down and and I have a weekly call. In fact, right as soon as we finish this podcast, I have my weekly coaching call. And we go through anything and everything that falls into the purview of the business. And we talk about sales and we talk about what to how to manage situations and all of that sort of stuff. And it has been probably the the greatest factor that kind of pulled me through COVID was having someone on the other end, someone who doesn't even understand our industry, actually. He's not like specifically to AV, but he's a coach that can point things out and say, listen, dude, that was stupid. And and somehow you walk away from the call saying, I can take on the world. And and finding the right coach that can do that is the right way to do it. But the one-on-one, you know, once a week, being able to just get somebody on the phone, you talk through 
every I mean and I say and I mean everything about and and we go through it and it's actually helped me on a personal level as well with my family and my wife and setting up goals and times and and helping to be accountable uh, because the one the one thing that everything we talk about is centered on is is integrity and having integrity in business and he always uses this example with me he says how many holes can a spacesuit have well the answer is zero it cannot have a single hole or you die and that is just like your integrity your integrity cannot have a hole in it and and you have to be the person who's going to do what you say you're going to do now the caveat with that is you will never not have a hole somewhere but if you are actively working to fill those over time, whether it's with someone else to help you or you yourself making, getting yourself to be better, um, it will completely change the way you, you run your business. And I'm not there yet, but it has been head far and away the best thing I've ever done. And I, I would also uh, add to that, you know, I, I recommend having, like Jordan said, uh, somebody that's non-industry uh, as a mentor, somebody who's just business, because you get somebody who understands business, they can help you with all the stuff that you don't understand. Uh, the it's the it's the the little minutia things that that as a business owner get lost when you're coming out of not having any business you know acumen before you you've arrived to that place. Um, that that they're going to help you with those things. Um, and I, I, luckily my brother-in-law has a very successful business and it's completely in an, in another industry, 100%. So anytime I had an issue, like just a business thing, I'm like, how the heck do I fix that? So I call him. So get, get your team together, get, get a lot of people on your side and you'll find you grow and, and, uh, blossom in such a way that you almost can't keep up with it. Right on. Dave, what about, I mean, you've been working, like you said, with consultants and different groups of people for a really long time. Um, what? Well, it sounds like his dad was his consultant from the beginning. He was and definitely then... my first mentor for sure. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, I, so my first consultant, I, uh, I joined a group called TAB or the Alternative Board, and it's kind of like Vistage or any of the other kind of CEO or C-level uh, coaching services. Uh, and TAB was awesome. Uh uh, so I moved moved on from Tab, and that was not industry specific. We I, on my board, we had an attorney, somebody owned a giant welding company, uh, like we had all sorts of different caters, uh, just all sorts of different companies in there. Uh, I moved on from Tab because um, my group was focused on. I think the highest grossing company at the time was like five million dollars in revenue a year, and so I needed to move on to a group that thought a little bit bigger than that. So I moved to Tom Stimson. And Tom was awesome. He's industry specific, but he's awesome. He really gets it. And he, I mean, he's got his MBA. He understands operations. He understands sales. He understands management uh, process. And he thinks a lot uh, the way I do as well. So, so that was really good. Um, but he'll tell you sales is like his um, Achilles heel. So now we work with Carl Becker specifically on sales. And so I've had three paid outside the business coaches in the last 10 or 12 years uh, that really dive into either finance or operations or process, marketing, whatever it is, and really kind of hold me responsible because 
you know, when you're the CEO, your responsibility really is to your clients and your employees. But if you don't, if you're not a business person, you need a business person to get you there. So anyway, I, I can't emphasize enough how much those relationships are, how much value comes from those. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, I, I couldn't agree more. Coaching, the ability to get better. Uh, we all want it. However, we have to take ownership of it because uh, it's not going to happen on accident. I think that's probably the biggest thing I've learned in the last five years is that I, I'm not going to accidentally get better at what I do. I'm going to follow, the, you know, when the stress hits, you're going to follow the same habits, the same, uh, the same actions, and you're just going to move in the same direction. And that's been the biggest thing for me. Um, you know, as we're wrapping up today, lots of really great talk. I mean, we didn't even get halfway into all the stuff that I want that we wanted to talk about. Um, cause there's so much with owning in the audiovisual space. Um, but kind of, as we are working our way back into, um, back into events and back into what is going to become, sorry, the dogs are excited about something going on outside there. Um, the topic is so great. It is. Yes. Thank you, Brooks. We appreciate the encouragement there, buddy. Um, as we, as we move back out of the pandemic and, and we move into a, a very concentrated, um, you know, probably 12 months of business starting this summer. Um, what are what is one thing that as people who have gone from operator to owner, and I bet you there are going to be some people that are now operators right now that will be owners within the next 12 months. Like that's just, it's going to happen. Um, <clears throat> what do you guys think? What What's one thing that they should do to be ready to either make that transition or push that transition to be better than it could be going forward? Give it a shot, Joe. Okay. Uh, I, I always say start, start with the, the foundation. Foundation being your lawyer team, your insurance team, your accounting team, uh, you know, bookkeeper. Get all those parts and pieces in place um, before, you even, before you even pull the trigger on, on saying you're a business owner. Um, because if you have those in place, you, you can jump. I mean, you can take the leap with 100% confidence yeah. that you've got something as your parachute. Um, so that, that's, that's first and foremost. Um, and if you think you can skirt all of that, you're wrong. So make sure, make sure you set up that team before you, uh, before you take that leap, especially in this environment that's so volatile. I mean, it's a, it's a minefield out there. And if you don't have the, if you don't have the that foundation of of success built in from the get go, you're going to get blown up. Yeah. See, and I think I'll answer this a different way. I think be prepared to fail, and not not fail entirely, but be prepared to to have a failure or failures along the way, and but not to be afraid of them, and use those failures as a learning opportunity. Yeah. Um, you know, we've, I've had quite a few of them over the past six years, seven years. Um, and while some of them were a little t- like hard pills to swallow, uh, it was definitely, they were great learning experiences to, to help us grow and move forward and be a bigger, better company and <clears throat> provide a, a better product uh, for our clients. Um, 
So like, don't be afraid to fail. Cause I know like that's, that was one of my big things. Like when I, before I even took the jump, I had to be pushed off the ledge because I didn't want to fail. Yeah. But I, that was one of the, that was one of the first things that, that I really needed to take a really hard look at and be like, you know what? This is okay. If, if I fail, I fail. If I fall flat on my face, I can get back up, dust my legs off and just keep on trucking forward. It's very true. Dave, what do you think, buddy? Oh, uh, let's see. I think one of the biggest things, if you're just getting started is if you're going to be a business, just be a business, uh, do all of the right things, put all the insurance in place, get all the payroll stuff in place and always act like a business and represent yourself like a business. Even if you're a business of one, uh, do it with integrity and, and show up every day as a business owner, not as a tech or there's nothing wrong with being a tech. And if you want to be a tech, then be a tech. If you want to be an owner, be an owner. Yeah. Um, and you could be a tech owner, but the owner part, that's that's what differentiates the 95% from the 5%, I think. So I, I think just show up, be intentional, and do it with integrity. That's yeah, right. I would say to piggyback to Dave's point, it's it's also 100% attitude. You know, I don't care about hard work. I don't, I mean, I care about hard work and I care about the integrity bit, but it's, it, it really is attitude. Yeah. Well, being, a, being an ownership, being an owner requires ownership. And that's not just of equipment or a space or a box or anything else. It, it requires ownership of everything you do. And, uh, I would say that, um, man, having a coach, having somebody that can help you navigate the waters that are, uh, that are not your strong suits is a huge thing. And, and coaches and mentors are two different things. Um, and I specifically am talking about a coach who can work you through different areas of your life because as much as we don't want it to be, our personal life and our business life are like this, especially in this industry. With the travel and with everything else that we do, we inevitably come to that crossroads of personal or business and you you end up having to pick one or the other at some point in time or another. And so if you can have someone that can help you navigate those navigate those challenges, those waters and everything about it, uh, your life is going to be so much better and you're going to be able to sleep at night and say, you know what? Tomorrow is a new fresh day and we're going to go take on the world. So guys, thank you so much for being here today. I really appreciate it. Um, you guys all have a ton of respect in my book as you guys grow in the different levels. And um, I certainly wish you all the best over the next two to three months as uh, as we see this thing come to an end. And then, uh, man, we just go out and kill it. It's going to be a great it's going to be a great 12 months. So thanks for coming on, guys. I really appreciate it. Looking forward to having all of you back on here. And of course, Joe, I will see you next week. So thanks, guys. Yeah, that's good. Awesome, guys. Have a great day. Take care, man. Being a business owner is probably one of the toughest things that you will ever do in your life. And honestly, it is not for everyone. But if you choose to do it, focus and persistence are going to get you there. Thanks for listening to Gig Ready today. Let your friends know that we're here to help you become a better professional and a better owner and a better operator every single day. Like, subscribe, tell everybody what we're doing so that you can learn as much as possible. Be gig ready and have a great week.